Last week, we asked the question. We asked the question, are you still in his steps? Now, if you are a guest today, you may be wondering why I would ask our congregation that. And just to catch you up, it started from the first of our uh, calendar year. At the first of the calendar year, we had we put together a theme and we were really sold on the fact that maybe that, that God has really pressed this in our hearts and the theme is in his steps. So throughout the year, we've wanted to remind our our, each other we wanted to remind ourselves to walk in his steps we live in his steps carry on with our lives in his steps because if we're living in his steps then he's getting glory out of our lives and if we we're living in his steps then we can know that he's going to bless us also it's if we walk in his steps then we're going to walk into the right direction if we're living in his steps then we're going to live the right way if we're being in his steps then we're going to be a people who are attracting others to jesus christ and just knowing this uh, and really believing this to be our theme here we are now in the last quarter of the calendar year and so the question is are we still in his steps? And today I'd like to follow up on last week's message. Last week we focused on verses 1, 2, and 3 in chapter 11 in the book, book of Hebrews. And today we want to follow up with verses 4 and 5. As we think about faith and the power of faith. While you're turning there in Hebrews 11, verses 4 and 5. I read this and I thought you might be interested in it. A man cried, well, <laughs> I read this man was hanging, uh, he fell off a cliff. And though he fell off the cliff, he managed to grab hold of a tree limb. Now we all know tree limbs they're not going to hold a whole lot of weight. At some point, they may give. So, as this man is looking down and seeing danger, holding on to this limb, he cries out, is anyone up there? Which is what we would do if we found ourselves in a situation where we're just hanging around and there's nothing but danger would cry out, is anyone up there? And this man, he heard a voice and the voice says, I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe in me? And the man replied, yes, Lord, I really believe. I, I can't, but I can't hold, hold on much longer. The voice said, well, that's all right. If you really believe in me, then you have nothing to worry about. I'll save you. Just let go of the branch. There was a pause. And the man cried out, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> You're hanging on a limb. It's a long way down. No, falling don't hurt. It's the stopping that'll get you. 
<laughs> it's a little funny, but, but do we notice that here, while the man was hanging on for dear life, his faith becomes weak. It appears that the writer of Hebrews, he's attempting through this chapter to encourage us to, to walk in strong faith. He, he try, he is, he's explaining what faith really is throughout this chapter and the importance of living our lives in faith. So join me as we look in this text. In verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, By faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for what our hearts have already felt today. But God, we, we look to you right now. This is your word. And we pray that you would that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word and that you would help us, God, as we share your word, that you, God, would put me behind the cross, that you would speak to your people, God, that we would all, we would all hear from you and that, God, you'll be glorified. Your son would be magnified. Your people would be edified. We pray, God, that we would take your holy word, apply it to our lives and live this life of faith. God, we pray that if there's one here who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that this would be the day that they'll start preparing for a grand homecoming where we're going to be together with you for all eternity. Oh, God, what a wonderful day that will be. So, God, we pray that no one in this place will miss that day. By your grace, by your mercy, may you speak to hearts and by faith may hearts respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week in chapter 11, we shared that Hebrews 11 is known as God's great hall of faith. This chapter shows us men and women who have believed in God through the ages. Men and women in this chapter were not great within themselves... But we shared that they had a great faith in a great God. A faith that moved them to not only believe who God is, but also to obey God. Amen. You know, once we come to understand what faith is it, what it, and what it means for the believer, our responsibility becomes to exercise our faith. We, when by faith we accept Jesus Christ, we... As our Lord and Savior, we not only believe in the finished work on the cross, but we received the finished work on the cross. To receive the finished work, 
uh, it means that we possess it and we possess all that comes with it. So what does come with the finished work of the cross? Well, we possess forgiveness for our sins. We possess the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We possess a right standing with God our Father. We possess an eternal home in glory. We, we ought to be excited about the faith that God has given us. Yes, we, <laughs> we should be walking in his steps. When we think about faith and all that it gives, one, something I want us to just to pay attention to today is that faith gives us some power. First, we see in this text, he gives us power <laughs> to be counted as righteous. Man, do we understand that? That we are all unrighteous? Do we understand that there is no, none righteous, no, not one? Do we understand that the only one righteous is God? Jesus stated this. The Bible tells us here that Abel obtained witness that he was righteous. As a matter of fact, it says that God testified of his gifts. So, in other words, it's saying God testified that Abel attained righteousness. In Genesis 4 and 4, what we find is Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. He brought not only the firstborn of the flock, but the firstborn was the fattest of the flock. In 4 and 4, it says he, he, Abel brought the firstborn of the flock and their fat and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Oh, what a testimony to know that God respects what we offer to him. Do, do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder when you go home after you've left service, was God pleased with my worship? Was my worship a sweet aroma to God or did I just go through the motions today? The Bible says Abel broke to God God as sacrifice that was pleasing to God. He brought to God a sacrifice that God gave witness of respecting Abel because of his sacrifice. So by approaching and worshiping God exactly as God says, Abel attained witness that he was righteous. <laughs> it wasn't Abel in himself that was righteous. But he believed and he obeyed God and his faith was counted for him as righteous. You know, there was a difference between Abel and Cain's sacrifices. Because the Bible tells us that Abel, here in this verse, it tells us that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. As a matter of fact, God rejected Cain's sacrifice. Here these two brothers are. And it seems like at the end of the story, if you never read about Cain and Abel, you need to read about those two brothers. The first set of brothers that we have recorded in scripture. And it seems like there's a competition. I don't know if mama uh, if played a favorite. I don't know if daddy took more time up with one than the other but we have two brothers here that find we find that there's some sort of competition with them but they offered up different sacrifices to God now Abel worshiped and he approached God through a blood sacrifice but it wasn't just a blood sacrifice. It was the blood sacrifice of another. It was the blood sacrifice of an animal. But Cain did not approach God in this same way. Instead, Cain came before God with his own work. 
<laughs> You're not hearing me. Remember, the Bible says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep in Genesis 4 and 2. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain was a tiller of the earth. Cain prepared the earth. And the earth uh, furnished pr- uh, a produce for Cain. So when Cain, he, when it came time for him to come before God and to worship God, Cain's worship was unacceptable because he approached God with earthly gifts. He approached God with the efforts of his very own hands. Listen, folks, I don't know if we realize it or not, but we can't come before God in our own efforts. If we come in our own efforts, we're going to fall short. You may be a better Christian than me. I may be a better Christian than you, but I'm not nobody's measuring stick and nobody in here is my measuring stick. The measuring stick for each and every one of us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Cain brought before God a sacrifice that had been prepared with his own hands. In other words, look what I've created. I've put this, I put some seeds in the ground and I took care of it with my own hands. And this is what I've got and this is what I'm going to offer to God. It would appear to me that Abel listened to God. He listened to the parents as they were telling him and Cain how God had covered their sin. It appears that Abel believed his parents when they told him the covering that they made by their own hands was not suitable. It wouldn't withstand the wind and the rain and all the elements of the earth. So God covered them with something sufficient. God poured the blood out of a lamb and and he took the skin of that lamb and he covered their nakedness. It appears that Abel knew that he could only come before God and worship him without his nakedness exposed. So that meant something had to bleed. That meant blood had to be applied. And he had to be covered with that blood when he come before to worship him. Well, it appears that he understood that he couldn't come in himself, but he had to humble himself. And he couldn't give just the sacrifice of any sheep, but he had to give the firstborn of his flock, the very fattest of his flock, the best that he had. And I wonder, when we come to worship God, do we bring our very best? Well, wait a minute, preacher. The Bible says, come as you are. It sure does. You don't have to have a coat and tie on to worship God, but your heart needs to be pure if you're going to worship God. As a matter of fact, you can't come before him and worship him any other way. If we've got an alt against our brother or sister, we might as well not worship till we take care of the alt. If I've got a problem with you and I can't sit beside you, then I need to go and fix that before I come and kneel down and seek God. Face. <laughs> well, <laughs> eh, I'll give you that for free. It's not my notes. <laughs> he knew he had to come before God right. And to come before God right is to come before God in God's way. You know, there was no righteousness in Abel. But God made him righteous. He counted his faith, his belief in who God was and how to worship God as righteous. Therefore, Abel made, was made righteous because of his 
faith. (laughs) So if we're going to continue in his steps, we must understand that we can't come before God to worship him any way we please. We must come through faith. Faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Contrary to popular opinion, to worship God, we must accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We can't worship him if we don't know Jesus. But the Bible tells us for every breath to praise ye the Lord. And every breath should praise the Lord. But every breath cannot worship the Lord. Throughout centuries, the worship of God came through uh, the blood of bulls, goats, sheep, and birds. But in the fullness of time, when it had come, God sent his only begotten son to live in full obedience to him. And he became the perfect spotless lamb of God. He would come to be the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of all man. Though no sin was found in him, he took the sin of the world upon his shoulders and he nailed it to the cross. He poured out, King James Version tells us, that he shed his blood for the sins of many. So on the cross of Calvary, he cried out, it is finished. He gave up his life. And he was buried in a barred tomb. But on the third day, (laughs) on the third day, he rose victorious from the grave. Oh, what a homecoming. I imagine when Jesus went back to be with the Father (laughs) because of the joy that was set before him, that he would be exalted. He died for you and I. He fulfilled the law of God. He took upon himself the penalty that God's law required for sin. And so now we can be counted righteous if we worship him as he instructs us to. Our worship can be accepted, acceptable to God when we worship him in spirit and in truth. When we are going to worship him in spirit and truth, we must come before him through faith in Jesus Christ. And through faith in the finished work of the cross. Faith in the gospel of Jesus For Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's only the only one way we can come before him. And when we come before him in that way, we can be made righteous. You know, we don't get righteous. You you know that. We don't have the power to get righteous. But we can be made righteous. (laughs) We are made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. But faith doesn't only give us the privilege of being accounted as righteous. Faith gives us the power to be rewarded for righteousness. Now we see the second illustration here. And it's of Enoch. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch. But what we see though, Enoch is used as an illustration of what it means to be rewarded for your righteousness. Enoch believed God. He didn't just believe in God, but he believed God. And it wasn't just that he believed God, but he walked and he fellowshiped with God day by day. The phrase walk with God, we find in Genesis... In the Hebrew language, we find that it means to please God. So to walk with God is to 
pleased God. As a matter of fact, he says that here in verse 5, that he pleased God. And so when we, when we understand that, in essence, Enoch pleased God and was not, for God took him away. Now, in many, many view this scene as an illustration of the rapture of the church. And contrary to what the world's going to tell you, a rapture is going to take place. It may, the word rapture may not be written in the Bible, but there's going to be a catching away of the saints. There's going to be a day when God's going to say, I've had enough. Go get my children. And our elder brother, our Lord and Savior, he's going to split the eastern sky. And he's going to come and receive us to be with him. But what we know that scripture tells us is that God had conquered death for Enoch. You, we, you talk about being in his steps. When Enoch was ready to go home to God, God transferred him right into heaven. <laughs> right into his very own presence. Enoch is walking on earth with God. And the next thing he knows, he's walking with God in heaven. Hmm. Enoch experienced a promise that's made to every born-again believer. And that is, Enoch never tasted death. <laughs> every born-again believer has been promised that we will not experience death. We will not taste death. We know what death is. Death is a separation from God for all eternity. That's what death is. What comes along with death is the fact that there's going to be a lot of pain and sorrow because we'll have all our faculties and we'll be able to remember every opportunity we had to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because we didn't, we'll find ourselves not only separated from him, but tormented day and night. And not only tormented but we will have a fire that just will not quench yes <laughs> you know when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and under his own power rose on the third day he conquered death hell and the grave in Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus declared to John, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. In other words, he affirms it when he says amen. And he says, I have the keys to Hades or hell, depending on your translation, and of death. You know, those are two different things. But Jesus has the keys to both. <laughs> Well, why would you serve us? Why would you serve something or someone or whatever he is? And he doesn't even have the, his own keys to his house. I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand why we would settle. Why would we settle for a life inferior to a life that belongs to you? If you just exercise faith. Hmm. For those who are in Christ. Those who have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who have by faith received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Death is no longer our enemy. You've heard me say this over the years. That I, in death. Our last enemy was conquered by Jesus Christ. And when we accepted him as our Savior. We become conquerors also. 
The sting of death has been removed. The grave has been defeated, so it has no victory. That's why the apostle Paul tells us, so we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the, in, in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, and we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So I don't have to wonder where life ends for me because life will never end for me. I've already made that determination I've I've already accepted Jesus Christ so I know heaven is my home I'm confident that when I leave this world I'm going to be with the Lord and because I'm going to be with the Lord I'm going to live for all eternity I never taste death I never taste what it's like to be suspended between heaven and eternity And not understand. You know why? Because there's some that's going to be raised out of hell. And they're going to stand before God at a a great white throne judgment. And they're going to cry out, but I prophesied in your name. And they'll hear him say, I never knew you. I've done great things in your name. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. He can save people no matter who is be, who's preaching the gospel because he will be true to his word. It's not the man that has power. Listen, I have no power other than the power that he gives me. And that power dwells within me to empower me to do whatever it is he's called me to do. So I can't do anything without him doing it through me. And neither can you. (laughs) You know, if we want to live, if we want to love, live, and share the gospel, if we want to live our lives out in his steps, we must exercise our faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. But it's what we do with the measure of faith that we've been given that makes the most difference. We can't just have faith. We must exercise the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people out there saying speak faith or you speak faith all you want, but you better have faith in Jesus Christ. You speak Christ because that's the only name that the devil will flee from. You cry out faith to the devil and he'll laugh at you. But you cry out Jesus and he'll flee. He'll flee. Our faith must be placed in the truth of the gospel. We must believe that Jesus is the very son of God. That he left the splendor of heaven and came to a sin cursed world. To live a perfect and sinless life. We must believe that he died on the cross of Calvary. To provide the world forgiveness of sin. We must believe that he rose from the grave. We must exercise faith in Jesus Christ. That he will give us confidence to live in this world. Through the power of the indwelling presence of God, we will have confidence and power to live. But he will also give us confidence to leave this world when it's time to spend eternity with him. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I've been by the bedside. I've watched people take their last breath. And those who were confident in their walk with the Lord, those who were confident in their faith, they just went away peacefully. 
into the presence of God. They didn't pass away. They passed on in the glory. Second Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't know about you, but when I leave this world, I'll know without a shadow of a doubt, death is my friend. Because I'll be rewarded. Not for my righteousness, but for faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ makes all the difference. Southern Gospel Group sang this song. The lyrics to it, the group by the the group's name is Dean. The lyric says, a man lay on his deathbed fighting for his life. The doctor said, I'm sorry, as we gathered by his side. So I took him by the hand to say my last goodbye. When a very feeble voice spoke up and gave me this reply. You can't tell me I'm dying when heaven's gates swing open wide. And Jesus is there to welcome me to the other side. My whole life has been, has been bound by shackles. Things weren't always like I planned. But you can't tell me I'm dying when I've made it to the promised land. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a promise we have. When we exercise our faith in Jesus Christ. What power is given to us through faith in Christ. Oh, there's going to be a grand homecoming one day. <laughs> I don't know how long I'll be pastor here at Reedy Branch. But when I leave here, whether it's by, by entering into God's presence <laughs> Or by me losing my mind. Amen. Or by me just not being able to do it anymore. Whatever comes my way. There's going to be those who've passed on. It's going to be a grand homecoming. Oh, when I see Miss Myrtle and Brother Joe. When I see Miss Doney and Miss Elsie. When I, when I see those who we've lost here recently. And in the past 17 years has been a long time. Eighteen years is just around the corner. And if I'm here another 20, I'm still going to look forward to that great homecoming. I don't know who will be in here in 20 years. If I'm here, there may be just a few of you here. But you can believe the rapture hasn't taken place. Because when it takes place, I'm going with it. I've settled that. And you can too. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. My question is, are you looking for homecoming? 
Are you looking for a time when you can be with that loved one who's going on to be with the Lord? And know that there'll never be separation again. Oh, I long to see one of the biggest encouragers we had in Miss Amelia. I long to see so many that have gone on. I long to see a father who taught me about Jesus. I long to see a brother who I idolized though he was younger. Oh, but I'm more, more than this. I want to see Jesus. Because Jesus has made a way for us to have a homecoming beyond our imaginations. Oh, Oh, what a day it is. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, what a day it is. To be in the presence of people who would rejoice with you today. You know, you could give your heart to Jesus right now. And people in this place would rejoice with you. They won't rush this service they would be more focused on rejoicing with you there may be somebody here who's a parent who wants to have assurance that I'm leading my family in the right direction the word when we go our separate ways and we leave this world that we can be joined together once again to never be separated again. Maybe there's grandparents here who who wants to know that they can teach their grandchildren about this man Jesus who has the power to change our lives and fulfill our wildest dreams. Maybe there's somebody here who says Preacher, I believe, I believe Jesus is God's only begotten son. I believe that he came to this sin-cursed world and lived a sinless life. I believe he died for me. And I'm ready to give my life to him. He gave his to me, for me. Now I want to live mine for him. It's up to you. He stands at the door and knocks. Preacher, I don't know if he's calling me if you think you should be saved. I promise you Satan will never put that in your mind and heart. But only God. You can't even know you need him. Without him telling you. And if you stand today knowing you need him, he's crying out to you. Why don't you serve him? He'll love you like you've never been loved. He'll provide you with things you never considered you could have. He'll protect you when no one's around. He'll give you everything. You may not receive it all on this side of life. But when we have that homecoming in heaven. 
it'll all be worth it. Listen, I've lived on both sides. I promise you this side's better. I have a peace and a joy, a comfort and a strength that I never knew. And that in itself gives me hope, assurance that this isn't as good as life gets. He's got something better. Why not exercise your faith today? And today prepare for that homecoming by accepting Jesus as your Savior. They sing this song of invitation. Would you? Would you today?